I need to talk to you. Uh oh. Go on then. I have a problem. Do we really want to go into that on the uh, podcast? Not that problem. <laughs> <laughs> I have an addiction. Oh, okay. What have you been watching? Not that... watching. Oh, not watching? Listening? To? No, no. Oh, what have you been doing? I've been playing Championship Manager. Oh, Champ Man, as those in the know call it. How much do you actually know about Champ Man? Um, only that you've said that to me before, <laughs> and therefore I feel like I know something about it. It's football, isn't it? Yes. You say you're playing a football... When, when have you been doing... Hang on a minute. When have you been doing this? Uh, all the way through Strictly last night. Um, large parts before it, when you were nattering me that I should be looking after our son. Oh, the bit where I got really annoyed because you weren't playing with him. Yes, yeah. that's it. And I was like, going, look, look what he's doing. Look what he's doing. It's really exciting what he's doing. And then I kept turning to you and you weren't bothered one minute. And then I was getting annoyed, but trying not to look annoyed because I realised sometimes you have to have a bit of time away from the small child. And I'm very engaged in the small child and that you might need some time, just like I need some time. I'm rambling now. But yeah, I did get slightly annoyed. <laughs> so Okay, I'm, right. We I'm, need to address this then. I'm playing Champ Manager 0102. 0102. Oh, right. 2001, 2002. Of which, which is... So Champ Manager became football manager the um the development team behind it went to a different uh, software publisher mm-hmm. with the same game engine but had to use a different name for it so any there is a game now called football manager which is the same game just later generations on but it's very complex now you need to kind of sit for an hour looking at your team like before each game like working out how oh well he's 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 right footed so he needs to cut need to set him to come inside on his left foot and uh yeah not fun about that what i want to do is edit it to give whole city loads of money and so i can fly through the division signing players when did this happen well i i well this is it i played what do you mean when did this happen i've I've just not known this is what... Like, when I'm saying to you, like, say, last night, for example, where I'm going, look what he's doing, isn't that exciting? I'm turning to you and you're not, like, paying any attention. You're saying to me, oh, I'm just just doing this thing, like, an important thing. Like, that's what I took it as. You were doing an important thing that needed thought. Yes. But I've not seen you with little men running around your screen or anything. I've not seen you actually playing the game. Oh, no, no, no. You You don't see the game. You don't play the game. You don't play right. the game of football. It's not like FIFA. You pick a team and a game engine like simulates a game for you. But you don't even see them like running around on the pitch. In later in later versions you do, but nah, not in not in a one or two. Which is considered like the the point the last point where it's really detailed, but not fun. <laughs> not not fun anymore. Right. So yeah, you it's just text. So you run through it and it yeah, says that's what it looked like. It looked like you were doing something like for work. Yeah. That's what I was thinking, oh you're doing something for work. I could have got doing... away with this if I didn't bring if we didn't need <laughs> Should never have recorded <laughs> this podcast. Now I'm just thinking, oh, all those times I got really annoyed. You were just playing championship manager. Yeah. Right. Like it say Neil Mann passes forward to Gary Alexander. Yeah, yeah, Gary Alexander it... shoots, whole scores. That's what I saw like lines of code essentially, and I thought you were working on something really important. No. No. No, not oh, at all. Oh, now I know, right. So I've taken on the chat. So what there is a community around Chat Manager One or Two mm. where there are people who keep it up to date with modern players so you can patch it so that it runs like this year with this year's players. Not interested in that. I'm playing Hull City uh in season 2001-2002 and I've set myself a challenge because obviously you know if you sign Kennedy Bakichoglu and Cherno Samba, no, you won't have heard of them because the only players that people who play champ manager will know but there are t- players who play for obscure teams like Kennedy Bakichoglu plays for Hammerby in Sweden, best player on the game, you sign him, he's going to score loads of goals, he'll come to you in Division 3 so I've set myself a challenge of only signing, inspired by um, a Twitter account, TigerTube, who did this for an early version when they were isolated, to only sign players who have played for or will play for in the future of, after this game, players who played Full City. You've been really busy, haven't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I've been going up for a lie down, I've been like taking my laptop and firing <gasps> off a couple of games before I, I go to sleep. I thought you were like, watching something. Or is that why you've been like going for a lie down slightly longer than usual? Yeah, that's exactly why. <laughs> I 
the doors being closed. Yeah. Even I made a funny joke to Blake this afternoon. I went, Daddy's going for a bit of a bit of quiet time, a bit of private time. And actually, what I mean is, Daddy's going to play championship manager in bed to have five minutes peace from us. I'm not sure, like what you were insinuating, <laughs> but. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wow, okay. That's interesting. Did you feel the need to sort of like get that off your chest? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're fourth in the league anyway. So. Oh, I'm, I'm pleased for you, Mark. I'm yeah. delighted. Sam Dandy Payton back from Burnley. He's uh, scored 10 goals so far. So, what's made you get back into this then? What's well, like I said, there's a Twitter account which has done a blog while he's been in, having to isolate. And I was like, just got bitten by the bug. And yeah, it is a bug. It is a real bug. You have a habit of doing things like this, actually. It's, it's a bit like me and breakfast. So I'll have a... The, yeah, hold on, hold on. I know you're looking confused. So you know how I will have the same breakfast for like a month. And then I'll get to a point where I just can't... I just get to that saturation point. And then I move on and I have like special care for maybe about two months. And then I get to the point where suddenly one day special care just doesn't do it for me anymore and I'll go back to toast. And yeah, things like that. You're the same. If only there was a different way. If only there was a way of like sometimes having something, sometimes having another. Yeah, but you're the same in that you find a thing and that becomes your thing for a usually quite a short period of time. It's not like for a year or anything. And then you absolutely batter the hell out of it for that short period of time. Mm. And then it just goes away. I'll be bored of this by next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if I don't get promotion anywhere. Oh, God. This takes over your life, though. Right. Like, when I first got into this, I remember ringing Rich, our friend, mm -hmm. at three o'clock in the morning because um, Inter Milan had just come in with a £75 million bid for Jamie McMaster. Oh, those were the days, weren't and I, they? And I needed to discuss with him whether I should accept the bid. Can you and he was happy. he was happy that I called him. Can you imagine that now? I mean, we're up at three o'clock in the morning, but I don't think you're ringing anyone. No, no. I mean, I'd probably WhatsApp him now, but... Uh, <laughs> Oh, well, I'm glad you've got that off your chest. Yeah. And I'm glad I now know what you're doing when I think you're doing something really important. And I'm like being really patient in my mind going, oh, I must be doing something like it's, it must be a really important thing, maybe for work. And I must remain patient. Yes, it is. From now on, it will be. Okay. I want to talk some telly with you. Okay. Because I've, I've got good telly. Okay. It's all good telly. I'm excited. You know, normally how you have like a bit of telly, like, oh, I'm not quite sure too sure about that or i watched this and it wasn't very good yeah i've got all good stuff this week okay exciting well, let's get into it then watching television watching television should we start with the mandalorian yeah let's do that then so disney's big headline um tv show that i think is probably the big drive of people to subscribe to disney plus it certainly is for us yeah because we were gonna after what was the last thing that was on disney plus that we watched Hamilton. That was it. In July. Oh, yeah. Um, so we stayed for Hamilton, didn't we? we? Didn't we stay because we forgot to cancel it or something like that? Yeah. And then I think we needed to get it for attending the hit about you and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. So we just kept it on, haven't we? But then when yeah. we saw The Mandalorian was coming back, we just thought, well, what's the point in sort of cancelling mm. it? So yeah, they've done a good job. That's how they, they get you. Yeah. That's how they've got us. What's the point in cancelling for one month? This we'll just spend it. six quid and throw it down the drain. Exactly. And now we're even thinking about other things that are going to come on as well, aren't they? If they're not going to be in the cinema, they'll they'll drive them on to Disney+. Plus. So then again, I'm thinking, oh, we might as well just keep it on. This is how they get us. Soul Pocahontas. No, Mulan. Marketing. Mulan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So Mandalorian... Season one, I wasn't particularly sold on completely. And remember, we spoke about it was one of our first episodes, wasn't it, that we that we talked about it? I famously called the child one of the best characters ever. Yes. Still stand by it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, but yeah, I could have, I could have left it. I enjoyed season one, but I think I said to you in the kitchen the other day, if there wasn't ever going to be a season two i wouldn't be sitting thinking oh what a shame mm. i probably would, just would have gone oh that show was was fun and moved on yeah so i wasn't massively looking forward to getting into season two to be honest with you um but i've been really enjoying the episodes we've watched so with three episodes in yeah. and they're being released weekly which is the right way to release television mm. as we've established for you for me yeah, yeah. not for me yeah Oh, oh, yeah, I, I think we're going to come on to this, aren't we? Yes, we are. But, um, so the first episode 
they're very episodic. Kind of like Lovecraft Country, where we said yeah. it's a mission of the week. Yes. Um, and there is a law behind it. Yeah, and but an ongoing mission behind it. Yeah, there's an on- ongoing thread behind it, isn't yeah. it? Not so much law, I wouldn't say. Not like Lovecraft Country where you've got magic and secret yeah. societies. You've just got this idea that the Mandalorian has to get the child somewhere. That's the yes. the, the story behind mm. each episode. But it's, it's funnily enough, it's very like a video game, isn't it? We've, we just said that. We've just yes. watched episode three and I've turned to you and gone, oh, it's you, you go somewhere, you go to a planet... You find some people, you talk to them, and you can imagine it in that old school video game style. You you press the up key, you walk over to them, <laughs> and they give the bu- the bubble of text comes up, and they ask you some questions, and you give them something back, and they say, "Before I can help you, you must help me find x x x x." You know, yeah, and that's what happens every week, isn't it? And you, you got go a side quest. And... Yes, it's yes. A, a side quest. And then at the end, they give the Mandalorian some more information, which leads him to the next episode. I'm really enjoying that. It is incredibly well made. Beautiful. I would kind of wish that they didn't do any of the... Well, any of the... Not even the prequels, the latest three films, and just put this on back-to-back. Because this is better than anything Star Wars has done for me since Empire Strikes Back. It's so realistic, isn't it? I know that sounds mad, given that we've just watched an episode where the majority of the cast either have a head that looks like a fish or a sort of a beard that's like an octopus. Um, but it's realistic in terms of it's it's physical. You can feel it. Yeah. You're on a, a planet with soil and and gravel and all of the creatures. I'm sure the CGI there in, in somewhere, especially with mm. like the octopusy beard, for example. Yes. Um, I'm doing a lovely octopusy beard. <laughs> Mark's laughing at me because I'm doing some. I'm putting some fingers down by my chin and doing the octopusy thing, which is you know, how I roll this <laughs> evening. Um, but, you know, I'm sure there's something in there, isn't there? But the other characters that we've seen, and one that particularly pops up in episode two, so like the original Star Wars, so realistic, but you can see the plastic, you can see the, you know, polystyrene, probably not polystyrene, it's not yeah. for the environment, but, you know, you can see how they've made it. Yeah, practical effects. Practical effects. Um, there are sequences in the first episode where, I mean, it actually changes from um, like a widescreen kind of cinematic 16 by 9, I think it is, to fill the screen slowly for a big action sequence. Um, almost, I didn't notice that. Oh, okay. Um, almost like IMAX. You know, when the, when a film transitions to like IMAX cameras, it, the shot will widen. Um I love this. I think the guest stars have been on so good mm. this season. Um, I won't name what they're doing, but Timothy Oliphant. Justified. Um, justified, yep. There's, there's a nod for the week. When we watch that, oh, the rolling of my eyes. <laughs> um, Katie Sackhoff, uh, Starbuck. Do you know who she is? No, you kept saying Starbuck to me all the way through she, this. She played Starbuck. In the reboot of Battlestar Galactica. Galactica. Right, okay. Um, Sasha Banks has just rocked up. Wrestling. WWE wrestler Sasha Banks. all the boxes for you, really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you you really care about the characters. Like, Sasha Banks and the wrestler have just been in this Mm. this episode. But you're interested in who they are. I don't think I necessarily care about them. But a lot of the other people that we've met along the way... When there's danger, when people are in peril, you feel this. Oh my god! You know, like ah, oh. um, and they're just little, they're just little puppets. The passenger in, in episode two, mm. which is called the passenger, and I think it's supposed to say there is a passenger in there. Um, yeah, like you really want that person to get to where they want and to be. And they're not a person. Yeah. They're like a a a, a, a creature. creature. Yeah. That doesn't even belong in our world. You know. It, but it's done so well, isn't it? Baby Yoda continues oh, to be yeah. charming so all the way through. Um, yeah, like in episode two, it was kind of sidelined in episode one. There wasn't a lot for him to do, but episode two, just charming and yeah. cute. Um, and then I saw you actually, like your eyes turn to hearts at the end of this <laughs> recent episode because he was very, very sweet. It's very cute. Um, yeah, like if you are watching this, and I know people who are historically fans of Star Wars who have been put off by the most recent films and are watching this and I just keep on saying to them, are you watching The Mandalorian yet? Yeah. Because as someone who 
rolls his eyes at everything Star Wars. This is just even without all the law that goes behind it, because you can see things and you kind of gonna. That's probably something that's referenced in a novel somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I know that there was a name mentioned in this episode yes. that is. That- yeah. Very well-known character, very loved character. I don't, I, I don't know, well-loved Oh, okay. Yeah. I just know that they are, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, and seemingly will be appearing down the line. Mm. Um, I can probably join a few, the same dots that you can. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, this is such a well-made show. So good, so entertaining. It's and it's the... only half an hour. Yeah, it, yeah. So I mean, episodes range between sort of fifty-five minutes, and I think this one was just thirty-five. It's just the right amount of time. It just flies by. You're not. I'm never like looking at my watch or bored. Which when sometimes when you get these Netflix shows and they're like an hour fifteen and stuff oh, like that, it's like no. that's a film. I haven't got enough time. Yeah, but yeah. Um, strongest recommendation from me. Yeah, yeah, and and same for me as well. It is a show. I have to say that if it if it again if it cancel cancelled tomorrow and I didn't get to see any more episodes, I just think, oh, what a shame. I'm not that emotionally invested into it, but I appreciate it and I enjoy it. Whatever you say, oh, should we you know pop a Mandalorian on? As long as it's like half an hour, forty minutes. Then I think, oh yeah, that's a nice way of spending some time. It takes you out of your day and your world and mm. plots you into another reality, which is always helpful at this point in time. Absolutely. Right, I'm going to keep quiet for five minutes because I think you've got two other shows, haven't you? I have. I'm going to start with The Crown because The Crown is back. Okay. Season four of The Crown. I can add nothing to this other than little bits that I've seen. So I've been a fan of The Crown since it, it came out. I've always been a fan of these sorts of tv shows films i'm interested in history i'm interested in in royalty i'm not a royalist uh, per se but i find them fascinating as a family unit and because of course they're a major part of uh, history in in our in our in our world in inverted commas because it's who we've grown up with being in <laughs> the head of our of state for example um and also the idea of like kings and queens and things like that have always resonated with me ever since I was a child. That's so, never come up before. <laughs> no, thanks. Um, so I was interested in it because it's Peter Morgan. He's previously looked at the Queen in the film, The Queen. Oh, is that was behind her? Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. So he's got a pedigree and he clearly knows his royals. He's done a lot of um, work behind the scenes of you know, um, understanding the history behind the royal family. And this that if you go back to season one, you're you're following the reign of Queen Elizabeth II, but right at the beginning in in, in season one, she's not on the throne yet. Her dad's on the throne, mm. and you see the progression of her becoming the crown. And then as the series go on, the cast has changed. So we had Claire Foy as the queen in series one and two, and uh, Matt's what's his Smith. name Smith as Prince Philip and Suze one or two so you know you had um, those main roles being played by really good actors and then when we hit series three we move forward in history and instead of putting makeup on them they have moved the cast forward in terms of age as well. So now we have Olivia Colman playing the Queen mm. and we have Tobias Menzies playing Prince Philip, for example. Helena Bonham Carter pops up as Prince Mar- um, Princess Margaret. There's, there's all sorts going on. I'm not going to name all of all the cast, otherwise we'd be here the entire time. And then you've got your succession of Prime Ministers and other characters, you know, your Lord Mountbatten, big, big names that come up, even um, Princess Alice, who is Prince Philip's mother, she pops up in one of the, you know, so you're getting some, some big names. What I love about The Crown, I mean, it is, the word sumptuous just completely describes every episode of The Crown. I heard someone say the other day that they thought every episode was, um, was like 10 million pounds had been spent on each episode wow. and i don't think that's an over exaggeration i think because i they're, they're a journalist and i i don't think they were it was hyperbole and you can see it on the screen it is just 
stunning. I mean, absolutely stunning. It's incredibly filmic. It's very cinematic. And the direction as well mm. is very cinematic. You have long lingering shots into the countryside. You have some beautiful direction. There was a lovely piece of direction in this particular series of a character in silhouette in their house while one of the royals was outside and you hadn't even seen them be together in that scene but you could tell everything about what was happening you know there was no like he was leaving but you hadn't seen him arrive you hadn't seen them have a conversation but that silhouette and him leaving the property and that woman in in her house that just that simple piece of direction told you absolutely everything you needed to know about what had happened that day and what was going to happen that evening it was absolutely beautiful so there's things like that 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 is stunning i think from a from a direction point of view the music is beautiful as well i have loved it i've loved every single series and i've binged every single series um i haven't I've never sat and just gone, I'll watch one and I'll sit for a few weeks and I'll watch another. They've always been put up all at once and I've tended to watch them the weekend that they arrive. Mm. It has become event viewing for me. I've seen people say they've already seen the entire series. Yes. Even though it was only out at 8 o'clock this morning. If I wasn't in the position that I am in, if you had gone out for the day with Blake, I would have seen it all of today. I would have watched it by now. And what's been happening is, whilst he's been like sort of busy doing things, I've had it on in the background <laughs> with the subtitles on, just trying to get through as much of it as I, I, I can today. Um, which Unfortunately, he's, he's you're, watching, you're watching has been held up by the <laughs> plights of Hull City. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, I've just got, gone for it every time I can. Um, even to the point of like just lying down in a beanbag with him, just like looking at him, playing with him and being with him, but also watching The Crown. Um, Every so time I leave the room and come back like for uh, like 10 minutes later, it is on the screen. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it's so watchable. For me, I find it very emotive, very powerful television, and I love the history. So I don't really know very much about our prime ministers of the 50s and 60s, for example. It's really taught me a lot about what was happening politically at that mm. time. And what I really like about the show is each episode focuses on a particular thing of history. So it takes an event at that time, and then the next episode might move you forward a few months. It is not like an EastEnders type show where you're leaving, you know, you're on a cliffhanger at the end of episode yeah. four and then you come back at episode five and it's the next day. It reminds me a bit of, and from you describing it, I've not seen a second, well, I've seen about four minutes of it today, which is more than I've seen throughout the entire run. Um, it reminds me of Mad Men in that you are, there will be time that passes between episodes and the first few minutes you have to kind of, and the the TV this the episode leads you through what has happened in between. Yes. Someone might have split up with their wife. Someone might have got back together with their wife. Someone might be now struggling through something, and the narrative is designed so that you can get back up to speed and you understand where these people are in their lives. There's, I mean, it's not to say that there aren't some what um, Mark Kermode would call chubby hmm moments, yeah. which, you know... I think you need to explain what that is. Well, can you, can you, you'll yes. do a better job than I can. So this comes from the Carpenter, Car- the Karen Carpenter story, um, and it's to say something where something that someone is famous for is shown on screen. So, for example, um, in the Karen Carpenter story, she's reading a review... And they talk about the chubby drummer. And she goes, chubby? Hmm. Yeah, and I don't even remember her. Do- I've watched I don't think that actually story, happened. But, yeah, it's- but in The Untouchables, someone goes in and goes, do you know what? I'm not sure that he's paying any tax on all these incomings. And yeah, th- that that sort of thing. So yeah, there's not. it's not to say that there aren't a number of those moments peppered throughout, particularly as we get to... So, Season four, to move on to season four, season four is all, all about the 80s. So yeah. we're now, you know, we're banging in 1980. We're doing Charles and Diana. We're doing Thatcher. So in the latest episode that I was just about to watch, we've got some um, men from Argentina with an Argentinian flag. Yes. And some men with a uh, um, Union Jack on their, the side of their arm coming into conflict with each other and I wonder what that's going to be about (laughs) you know it's that sort of thing there are some moments where you kind of go 
okay, I, I get where where we're, we're going here. And there are, there are a number of others. Um, the early Diana episodes that I've, I've seen so far, there is one scene where the sound completely cuts out and all you can hear are the camera, the, the noise of the camera uh. clicking. And some things like that, you could read it in one way of going, okay, I, I, you know, you're, you're kind of, you're making the point. I get the point that you're mm. making about the media's relationship with Princess Diana. But actually, because it's so beautifully shot, you kind of forgive it. Sometimes you kind of go, well, yeah, you that that is it's a it's a relevant point. It mm. is a major part of her life and a part of her story. So yeah, let's go into the sort of what it, what it's about and who's in this because I want to just talk very very quickly about the acting and the particular storyline. I was not looking forward to season four at all. I like the earlier seasons because I didn't really know anything about what was, was happening. The mm. Profumo affair, the earlier, you know, like Macmillan. I don't know anything about Harold Macmillan. You know, all of these sorts of stories that I kind of might have known a tiny bit of, but it really brought it to life for me and made me understand the older royals a little bit more we're now moving really towards what we could call the, the younger royals so prince charles is about to turn 30 um you've got princess anne has already been married the older royals the prince philip the queen they don't necessarily take so much of center stage and i wasn't looking forward to that to be honest with you because i was born in the 80s yeah you know at a time where you know what happens yeah and the charles and diana story you kind of think oh you know it it's been done many times i can't remember it ever being done well has it been done a lot well there's been a lot more, more in terms of diana coming out hasn't it if you think of the naomi watts um some terrible terrible um films on like life tv or whatever like you know documentaries that are a bit yeah. drama a bit drama doc- okay. do you know what i mean i think we've we've scraped over it so so many times haven't we and i think there's only so much I mean, the daily express does every yeah. every week in its headlines yeah exactly and there is i don't know whether because we're the same age as um prince harry and prince william that i feel a sense of responsibility that i I can empathise with this idea of your family, your immediate family life mm. being put on, to, you know, for entertainment. Um, and I think maybe because we're the same age as them, I can kind of, I kind of think, oh, yeah, th- that can't be fun for that to happen. Although, of course, it's happened for all the other members of the royal family, so yeah. why should I feel an affinity yeah. with them? But I probably do because we've kind of grown up with them. Mm. Anyway, I wasn't looking forward to it on that because I just kind of thought I remember it and I don't know if it can be done appropriately, in inverted commas. I'm happy to say that I think this particular take on the story, for me, works. And I know there have been some reviews that haven't felt this way. I think Emma Corrin, as Lady Diana Spencer as she is in the beginning is wonderful in in this role mainly because i don't know her i don't know what she's been in before i think Mm. she's been in smaller parts previously and so you get a fresh look and i think peter morgan also takes a fresh look here so he's not giving you the intimate detail of what is happening in that relationship he's specifically in one episode just showing you for quite an extended period of time just how lonely it would be to go from being a young woman, I mean, she was 16 when she met the the prince, which I, I didn't know. I think they were 19 when they got married. But mm-hmm. to go from being a teenager, like a teenager in the 80s, and to be dancing to Blondie one minute and being with your, you know, your girlfriends in your Earl's Court flat, going out on the town, having, you know, dancing, being... She was a cleaning lady for her older sister. Yes. She was just doing these really low-paid jobs and she was the younger sister of, the you know, the Spencers. And I didn't really know anything about her from that, that young age. But to go from that to being in a gigantic palace alone for weeks and that sense of loneliness, I think, they capture beautifully and you can kind of see how someone could drive themselves to distraction in that environment where your husband-to-be isn't ringing you your mother-in-law isn't talking to you at all and barely acknowledging that you exist and there's, there's just no one there but you're all in the same house but no it's just so lonely 
that I've never seen before. Mm. And maybe we've seen it, you know, for five minutes. Oh, I'm, you know, Diana said, oh, I'm so lonely. And that, but to, it's, I wonder if it's because there's a complete lack of dialogue at times where you, all you are left with is you and her in these big rooms. And that's, that gives you as a viewer this complete sense of what that must feel like. I think she does a, a beautiful job of it because it is a younger version of Diana. She does all the mannerisms, she does the voice. Mm. Um, but I, and, and I thought it was it was a really good performance. And she's only doing this series, presumably? Because I know yes. Elizabeth Debicki's coming in for the yes. next season. Yeah. And presumably there are going to be incidents happening. Yeah. Who's going to play Elton John? <laughs> Who's going to play Dodie? Oh, honey. Let's not go there. Her footsteps will look now. <laughs> no. Josh O'Connor as Prince Charles, I think, does a, an amazing job. I said that about him in season season three. I really like him in Only You as well, which is a really good film. He's, he's perfect for this. And his mannerisms, mm. his... In, and to be honest with you, neither party comes off brilliantly but neither party is unsympathetic and i think yeah. that's the best way of looking at it isn't it that you and and yeah this is my other thing so we've got a massive amount of thatcher in this as well yes. you know not not my favorite person in the entire world got a lot to say about margaret thatcher but here she's portrayed by gillian anderson and yet you still feel some sense some small sense of sympathy for her predicament because of the way that they structure and because of the way that they are showing what it is like to be an outsider coming into this family. Mm. And it's not always... A, a, when you've got a family as close-knit as that with their own traditions and their own... Mm. Written, and maybe a little bit removed from the real world, that's very difficult for any outsider, be it Thatcher, be it Diana, anyone, to come in and to have a sense of friendliness or a sense of belonging. And that Morgan, without making us feel sorry for Thatcher, really gives us an insight into what it is like to suddenly be in the presence of people with a lot of privilege that have a very different way of looking at things. Surely we're at a point now, though, where the Queen is just a figurehead and... If she tried to influence the decisions of government, um, they would probably be ousted pretty quickly. Yeah, and it's, I'm not saying that the Crown says that she is involved in any political machinations, because that's okay. absolutely not right. But, you know, you're going to see the Queen every... If you're the Prime Minister, you're going to see the Queen every week. You have an audience with the Queen. And the Queen can say to you, unemployment is, you know, at a terribly high level... This has happened here. We've got civil unrest that, you know, she's, you know, if you think about the 80s, think about the miners' strike. You know, what are you doing, Prime Minister? What are you doing? You know, you can be questioned mm. as to what is happening because the Queen asks you to form a government in her name. So she can say, what are we doing about this? What are we doing about that? Without having, you know, like, she's got a hand in it, but not to the extent of actually physically doing anything. But this is just pomp and circumstance. She, yeah. she, I mean, she can ask what she wants. Yes. I yeah. imagine if any Prime Minister turns around and says, yeah, we're dealing with it. Yeah. And we'll deal with it in our own yeah. way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think as two women, they were perhaps expected or there was an anticipation that these two women in power would get on mm. as, um, especially women at that time, were not were not given an opportunity to reach high office. Yeah. There were no women in Thatcher's cabinet. Okay. You know, mm. I just think it's a, it's really interesting. And I'm, I'm only on episode four. I, I think it's wonderful. And even the players that we don't see very much, and I'm thinking of Erin Doherty as Princess Anne, and the, the, mostly the younger players. Although I yeah. did really love Tobias Menzies as Prince Philip. I thought he, um, I mean, he's a gruff, bloke and they they don't play him particularly sympathetically but there's an episode in season three where you get to really understand what it is like to be the consort mm. of a queen is he still is tobias menzies still prince philip in yes, this season he is yeah and then next season he, it is it's jonathan jonathan price, price? yeah yeah okay it's, it, i think it's brilliant 
and I thoroughly enjoy having something that I can completely just just sit and be immersed in, kind of. <laughs> as much as I can be immersed in something at the moment. Speaking of immersed in <laughs> yeah. a TV show that might as well be burned on might as well have been burned onto our TV screen for the past week. Yeah, um, so if anyone's a fan of Nordic Noir, as it has become known, so your killing, uh, your killings, the killing, um, both the original and then the English language version, and then the bridge as well. And I think they did a version called the tunnel. For, the tunnel like, was yeah, the channel tunnel version. with Between England and France, but the bridge is between um, Denmark and is it, no, it's not. It's Norway and Sweden. Is no, it's it? not. No, is it Denmark and Sweden? Yeah, okay, yeah. God, did you, see your, did you see the panic in my eyes there? Yeah, like, I quite, like, quite oh, look forward oh. to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, see, I I love these shows. They're often really hard hitting. There's some really gruesome scenes of murders in them. They often have twists that come out of nowhere. They're beautifully written. They look fabulous as well, and. I, I just really enjoy them. And I particularly like the original language version. So I like seeing the original version, not necessarily when someone tries to do a remake. Borgen? Yeah, love Borgen. Dan Bauer's song. Oh, you're thinking bugging. <laughs> that, it's a little joke. That, that, I don't think that joke works, man. I just want someone sick, because, you know, you've talked about the crown. I've not got anything really to I'm add gonna, on that. I'm going to do this in, like, literally two seconds. Yeah. Anyway, there's a new show on. It's called DNA. It's Danish. It's a Danish show. It's written by the guy who did The Killing, and it's also written for The Bridge. It's absolutely in that wheelhouse. If you like anything like the, the Nordic Noir, if you, if you love, you know, you're killing The Bridge, whatever, go and watch this show. I watched one episode last Sunday and by the end of Sunday I had seen six episodes because I just put it on my phone and every time I went like into the kitchen or went upstairs or went and did like put some washing out anytime I did like a little task I'd take my phone with me and I'd stick it in front of me and even though it's subtitled because I had to keep going back every time I missed a bit of the subtitling I, I watched it this show is amazing. It's beautifully written. It's beautifully directed. It has brilliant acting. One of my favourite actresses of all time, Charlotte Rampling, ramps up in the middle of it, playing a French police detective. I mean, she's just brilliant and she's quite severe and quite stern and she's to the point. Love her. The only thing I would say about this show, and I've got two more episodes to go, I think one's just come on our Skybox side because they're, they're releasing it every Saturday. But because it had been ages since I'd got to actually watching episode one, I was able to then watch a number of episodes back to back because they were already just there on the iPlayer. The only thing I would say about this show is that it has some themes that people might want to avoid if, for example, you have been through an experience like myself and Mark. So without giving anything away, this show includes the loss of children in a number of different ways. So I'm going to call it like baby loss, the loss of children, any anything, if you feel that you are affected by the loss of a child or you have something or it's something you want to avoid, this is absolutely a show where you might feel it's just too much. Like I say, I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of it because it would be to spoil twists and things mm. like that. But it is a constant presence in this show. And there was one point that I had to fast forward which involved the birth of some twins. So oh. if you have been in a situation like us where you have had um, a multiple birth and you have lost one or both of your children and, and or if you have had any type of loss, but particularly that when the twins came up, I had a sharp intake of breath and I had to just sort of centre myself. This might not be the show for you. Having said that, I didn't find it. And I've found other shows quite difficult to watch, shows that have had a very similar theme. Mm. I didn't think I can't possibly get to the end of this. I don't know whether it's just because time has moved on. Yeah. And maybe I'm dealing with things a bit better. I think I'd be honest and, and say that, that maybe if this was on six months ago, I wouldn't have been watching this. Or it could be that because it is sensitively handled and 
the plot the plotting takes you through a particular system rather than just playing it for a thing you know you sometimes get a show where it gets thrown in to to do something with the show this is what the show is all about this Mm. is this is right from the beginning in the in the credits you will see that this is thematically what this show is about so maybe because it was all encompassing in the show and i was i was there right from the beginning it didn't affect me as much as it would do if it was like just a throwaway plot yeah but i think it was i was thinking about this when i was watching it and i was saying can i recommend this knowing that a number of people who are part of our our lovely audience have come to us because they have found us through things that we where we've talked about our particular experience and our bereavement Mm. so i think it's important to say that i'm not recommending this for everyone yeah but i didn't find it as tricky as perhaps i might have done Mm. if i was closer to our the the events that that happened to us if it was a couple of months after what had happened to us maybe i'd be feeling different okay okay but yeah i i think it's brilliant i cannot wait to watch the last two episodes (laughs) there you go Shall we talk about some films? Yes, and it's time for you to speak now, because yes. there's films I haven't seen. And you have reminded me of something else I need to speak about while I'm doing it. So, yep. Okay, um, so I've got three films I need to talk about. Oh. Two I'm going to do quite quickly, and then one I'm going to give a bit, little bit of time to. Um, so we'll go through the quick ones first. Um, the Invisible Man premiered on Sky Cinema. I think it was last weekend. It's it was out earlier this year. It was originally meant to be part of the Universal Dark Universe um, that was started with the Mummy that failed so much. And that's the Tom Cruise Mummy, wasn't the it? The Tom Cruise Mummy. It was originally it was going to be a retelling of the original Invisible Man, starring Johnny Depp. That has that got abandoned when the Mummy failed as badly as it did. This is quite a small film. Um, it's Elizabeth Moss. Elizabeth Moss. It's a Blumhouse entertainment film, which is kind of specialised in low budget films. Um, I think this was made for something like seven million dollars, and I think how they do it is they get the cast to take money on the back end rather than up front, which probably hasn't worked out too well with them with COVID. But mm. anyway, um, so this is the story of and. Trigger warning for these things if you are going to watch it. So this is a story of a woman who is in an abusive relationship, a controlling relationship, and um, a gaslighted relationship. Mm. And she makes a run in the middle of the night from her husband, who is a optics expert. She goes to live with some friends and suddenly finds herself feel like she's being watched by someone who she cannot see. Hence the title. Yes, hence the title. This is a film of two halves. I watched the first half in bed, absolutely petrified, having to put my laptop down because I felt I could jump any minute. And I came down and said to you, No. I came down and said to you, please do not watch this Mm. because the camera will linger on a slot. It's it's very much like paranormal activity where the camera will linger on something and you're just waiting for something to happen. Yeah. The the camera will frame it, frame a shot where someone isn't at the centre of it, so your eyes are drawn to somewhere else in the room and something else is happening because someone else is in this room who mm. you can't see. Yeah. And that's the entire first half of the movie. There is then a one of the most shocking scenes I've seen this year um, that takes place in a restaurant, and anyone who's seen it will know exactly what I mean. And then it just goes into melodrama. We lose all that and we turn into just a standard thriller. It's all right, the second half, but the first half I was thinking this is sort of film of the year candidate and the second half I was thinking, why are they doing this? Mm. Um, There are plot holes you could drive a truck through in the second half of the film. Um, There are... But, hey, I was entertained. Good. The other film is Queen and Slim, which I watched last night. Yeah. Uh, so this is the story of two people on a first Tinder date. 
which isn't particularly going well. Uh, she is a um, defence lawyer, and he... I don't think we actually find his... Uh, he is certainly one level lower in the class scale than she is. She makes a comment about how he took her to a diner that he would be able to afford rather than taking her out for a meal. And it's it, they don't really seem compatible. Uh, so he's driving her home, and they are pulled over by the police on a routine, uh, a routine stop, uh, because one of the I don't think he indicated at a certain point where he should have done. This escalates, and one thing probably should make clear is they're both African Americans, mm-hmm. and the policeman is taking that it takes some liberties with them. It escalates further, and they're in a situation where they have to run. Mm-hmm. At this point, it becomes kind of a road movie. Um, they have to escape out the city, escape to friends that they know, and just kind of go through the city, uh, go through the country, um, eventually trying to get to Miami for reasons. Mm-hmm. And as this is happening, the story is breaking around them. And it's not the case where they sort of go past the TV screen and you see a headline. When they meet people, they will tell them what's happening, and they will. The story will have developed further. We find out more about the policeman through people who have seen the news, but we don't find them themselves. I think the real strength of this is the fact it's kind of conceit that they were on this first Tinder date, so they don't know each other at all. So we learn about the characters because they tell each other about their lives, and their lives aren't as simple as it may seem at first. They are forced to spend time with each other when they wouldn't necessarily choose to. I've seen this film get absolutely slated in certain reviews. Really? Yeah. Um, um, wow. I really enjoyed this. It is so beautiful to look at. And the director, Melina Matsukas, who it's her first film, but she's, she's directed videos for Beyonce and Lady Gaga and things like that. She can stage a shot so beautifully. It's amazing to look at um daniel kaluuya who is starring in it just gets better everything i see him in just amazing he's gonna be in this film called something like judas and the something or something in the will you look it up for me yeah while i'm talking i think it's worth saying that i caught the last sort of like 10 (laughs) minutes of this because you said to me last night can i can I put my end of my film on while yeah. I was faffing about with something? And I said, yes, well, I was probably, you know, champ, getting my champ man on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so you put it on. And I ended up watching it with you because I said, I think I stopped at one point and just took my headphones off and just said to you, God, that shot, like the direction on this mm. is stunning. There was these stunning shots. And it was a bit like, it reminded me a lot of like, when I got to the end of Black Klansman, you were watching the end of that. Yeah. And I stopped in my tracks and I watched it. And I was going, oh, I wish I'd watched this from the beginning with you because I think I watched the end of that film and said it should have won an Oscar and I felt very similar about this film and just the small amount that I saw it's obviously talking about race it's obviously talking about things that are happening happened for years but we're talking about more in terms of Black Lives Matter recently Mm. It, it has so much to say and I saw in just the shots not even knowing who the people were but in the 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 work that was being done on the screen mm. what it was saying from a, a political from a historical perspective i thought it was absolutely stunning i am shocked that anyone gave it one star i find that really difficult but of course mm. i've not seen it from the beginning judas and the black messiah is that's the it judas and the black messiah have mm. if you watch the trailer for that he, I mean, I, I would give him an Oscar just for the things I've seen in that trailer. He is a fantastic actor. Well, he was amazing in Widows as well, which I know is a film you haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Um, Jodie Turner-Smith in this uh, is plays uh, the Queen, not the Queen. <laughs> yeah. Plays Queen. Um, it's her first film. Uh, she's previously been in sort of other um, TV shows like The Last Ship and stuff like that. I think this is a really, really good film and a really mm-hmm. strong film. But I want to talk about Ordinary Love. Okay. This came out of nowhere for me, and I just needed something to put on just on my lunch hour um, when you were working the other day. Um, It's a film that stars Liam Neeson and Leslie Manville, and um, they star as a recently retired couple. 
um, they have previously lost a child, um, a child, we don't necessarily find out that much about it, but a child that was certainly in her teens or older. Um, they are going about living their life and they life is stopped for them when Leslie Manville's Joan um, is in the shower and feels a lump. And this is just a simple film about how two people cope with the experiences. And it's almost as if the cancer is a MacGuffin just to drive these two through the process of grieving and getting getting through life and coping with the stress and the tragedy. So like just like a narrative plot point. Yes. That I'm it, not, not thinking about a MacGuffin in terms of like, you know, the idol in, yeah. you know, in Raiders of the Lost Dog. But mm. yeah, you mean like just it's there in the background just to to give these two characters an experience yes. to drive forward what's happening in this the... This is 100% about okay. how two people interact that are going through a stressful time. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, obviously rang very true to me. It, it shows for me exactly how humour can get you through these things. Mm. Um, there is one point where they are sat in a cafe at the hospital and someone's just described something as a... Well, on a scale of one to five, it's a three. And they have this really memorable debate about, well, is that really... Ba- well, three's closer to to bad than it is good it's like no that's exactly the, it's it's exactly the middle <laughs> that's the point yeah but it sounds closer to five it does yeah and it totally took me back to us um to our experiences um because with a lot of tragedy does come humor and i yes. think those things are so intertwined i mean the experiences that we've had where we were crying laughing our lowest points and I think mm. that really got us through yeah I think it unnerved quite a few people as well absolutely absolutely <laughs> but um, there, is, there is something when you you go into I'm going to talk about the room yeah. when you go into a room um that is meant to be for like quiet contemplation because you've just been told that your child's about to die and then you realize there's the most inappropriate picture on on the wall <laughs> like from back in the day someone's just left that it's probably been there for about 10 years and no one's thought to take it down well it's been more than 20 years yes, hasn't it yes i'm not going to say yes. what it is um but yeah inappropriate picture on the wall that then as soon as I spotted it and pointed it to, like, we're crying because we're about to lose our second child or, mm. you know, that's what we were led to believe at the time it was so unwell. Um, so we're about, you know, we've been we've been warned that it's going to happen and this had happened quite a few times. It was one of the, you know, the bits where you think, oh, I can't go through this anymore. And then you just spot a picture on the wall and you're just like, how can that be appropriate? How can that be appropriate to put that in this in this yeah. bereavement room? I won't and give you hilarious. the details. It was a cityscape that... Yes. But- could certainly be dated as over 20 years old by the by certain things that it were there. the darkest of humour, isn't it? I mean, yeah. if I tell anyone that story, I don't mm. think they quite get it. But you've got to be there at the time because at the time your emotions are so heightened that yeah. you, you'll... And I think if, you, if you're like you and I, you'll, you'll go to the darkest possible, funniest sense of humour that mm. you've got and you'll bring it forward because that is the only thing that will get you through. Yeah, absolutely. And for us, I'm, certainly it was a defence mechanism. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm going through the world of my mind now, I know. <laughs> which I don't think is necessarily a good No, idea no, it probably wouldn't be. <laughs> but, I mean, Liam Neeson is an excellent actor. Leslie Manville is a phenomenal actress. Um, I am shocked and appalled that this did not get any uh, traction in the BAFTAs at all. Leslie Manville should have walked every award going. Okay. It is such a brave performance. It is such a exposing performance for her and I mean that both physically and literally as you can probably imagine um, she acts her socks off and how there wasn't rioting in the streets when she wasn't nominated and would have walked any award for mm-hmm. best actress this is such a good film it's on Sky Movies now I would encourage anyone to go see it because it is heartbreaking and life affirming and I really, really think that people should see it. Um, highest marks of me. Well, okay. four and a half stars. 
Can I make a point before we finish? Yes. Because I've made some jokes about death recently and I think people just looked horrified. I just want to make the point that we're not saying that the incident that we're alluding to, which there was a, pic- a picture that reminded us of that incident on the wall, was in any way funny. It was the fact that there was a picture that reminded us of the most tragic incident with the with a great loss of life. Mm was in the room where you you were being told or you were being anticipated to be told that there was more loss of life and it just didn't quite seem to to fit but i keep i keep doing these jokes about death like i did a couple at work the other day and i think everyone just looked horrified so i just want to make that point that we are we are never making fun of other tragedies it it, it was just the idea that you would remind someone of that tragedy when you were telling them about their their own, yeah, it's yeah, I I, I understand. I just, I really I'm trying to think. Of a, I, I'm trying to think of another example that we could use because I'm always laughing when I'm talking about death now, and I think it's really yeah. it's really quite unnerving for people. And I know that it can be taken not in the way that it's intended. So I just want to make that point. I can. I'm trying to think of an example just to illustrate how inappropriate it was, and all I can think of is even more inappropate than actually giving what the answer is. Yeah, yeah, happened. that's why yeah. I'm trying not to say yeah. it. Because, but yeah, um, I just wanted to say that. But thank you for, for your review. Yeah. Because <laughs> now I feel like I've gone off on a tangent about death. Massively derailed. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to edit in some comments during your uh, crown crown review. Yeah, go just on. To, uh, just put some yeah. jokes in there. Mm. So three three films. Yeah. Invisible Man, half a good film. Queen and Slim, a good film. Ordinary Love, an excellent film. I tell you what, I'm thinking back to Invisible Man just before we move on. Like Elizabeth Moss is in Invisible Man. When will Elizabeth Moss be in a TV or film, TV show or film, where she's actually just happy? I just feel like Elizabeth Moss is, is constantly just traumatised all the time. I just want to see her in something fun and light and I know maybe she doesn't want to be in something fun or light and that's absolutely fine but I just always feel that she is being terrorised you know you think about Handmaid's Tale and you th- like th- this obviously sounds horrific and all the other shows I've seen her in loads of like, show about being in the outback and and she's just terrible you know like, not she's not terrible but thing terrible things are happening to her all the time seems to be having fun in the West Wing is she in the West Wing? she's Bartlett's daughter Oh, is she? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Zoe. Yeah, okay. She dates Julie Hill, Charlie. I, I don't really know the West Wing very well. I know everyone's talking about the West Wing at the moment. I feel like I'm missing out. I feel like I've kind of... You know when I like bang on about Ashes to Ashes or yeah. and Life on Mars or This Life or Teachers and other people are like, oh, I didn't say that. And you're like, you didn't watch This Life. You didn't sit up like just tuning your tv in because i had to tell you that you had to tune so tuning your tv into to channel four i think it was on channel was it on, no it wasn't no, it was BBC. on bbc wasn't it yeah. yes i'm just making it up now but you you didn't you know sit at, at night just waiting for this life to come on and just thinking it was the best thing you'd ever seen in your entire life but no apparently not and that's how i feel about the west wing i feel time has passed and i can't possibly catch up so I love the West Wing, but the big problem with it is it's twenty four episodes per season. Ooh, that's yeah, isn't it? Yeah. And do you not think in the current circumstances you would watch it and feel, oh, those times have gone, sort of thing? No, because it's just it's brilliant. Okay. Have you ever seen anything? Of I have it? seen. I've seen a few episodes. I think I started trying to watch. I'm sure I'm like halfway through series one, for mm. example. But that was years ago. I was probably like ten years ago when I was trying to trying to do that and yeah it's probably one for the future but not now okay (laughs) right where this is one of our longest ones that we've done for quite a while that's because you rattled on about the crown for four hours and then then i felt i had to apologize for for my death jokes i mean it'll it'll only be five minutes because i'm gonna edit it all out (laughs) (laughs) right then right let's go to bed (laughs) I might put in a few more episodes of The Crown. Or DNA before I go. But fine, I'm off the bed. <laughs> You're going to play Champman? Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> my laptop over me. I've got, I've got a league to win. Oh, you have, haven't you? Yes, yeah. of course. Let me know when you're done. <laughs> then we'll go back to normal. Okay, probably this time next week. Yeah, that'll probably be right. Cool. Well, thanks a lot for listening, everyone. Thanks a lot for listening. I'll see you later. See you soon.
Before you go, just a reminder that you can subscribe to the Honeymoon Period podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can join in the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for The Honeymoon Pod. Finally, if you like this episode and you think someone else would too, please share it. See you next time. Alright, that was that was great, Trey, okay. It's over. That's a wrap. Oh. The next day what happened? The tumor didn't teach. Oh, I got up in front of everyone to get my little speech. And my teeth turned into bangs and my nails into claws. And